Let's do it. We're going to jump right in. We're welcome to week four of this series that we're calling Manifest. This has been a lot of fun. Have you guys had fun this time? This has been like the most enjoyable consecration ever. And usually those two words don't come together. Joy and fasting don't come together. But I've been having so much fun in this because God's been revealing a lot of things to me. So if you're ready for the word, clap once. Here it is. So we've been manifesting for the past couple of weeks. Amen. Some of us have been asking God for things. This mic sounds amazing, Mike. Like absolutely amazing. I owe you lunch. Uh, this, uh, this series, we've been asking God for things that we may not see. We've been asking God for things in our lives that we've never seen before. Some families are asking for wealth in their family, and they only know poverty. Some marriages are asking for peace, and they only know fighting or, or fornication and all these other things. So we're, we're, we're asking God to show up and to show out. But my question is, it me, my question is, if you were to ask God for something, would you be able to recognize it when it showed up? Because church, this is what I honestly believe. I think that some, I'll speak for myself. Look at your neighbor and say, he's speaking for himself. There have been a bunch of things that I've asked God to show me, and it's been in front of me. I just didn't recognize it. People, finances, I've asked God for people to love me, and then in my own eyes been blind to those people around me, and I've reached over them trying to chase people that weren't for me to catch, abusing the people around me, right? Married a beautiful woman that was my wife, but for a second I was reaching over her because I thought who she was I didn't deserve, so I was reaching for something else that was out of my bounds. Can we talk? So the question is, if God were to show it to you, would you actually be able to recognize what's in front of you? So you ready? You ready to jump into it? Here it is. So there are three basic parts of God's word. Whenever we look at the, the word of God, whenever you get a word from someone, and when we, were, when we used to be in the building and we were able to you know, put hands on everybody, uh, there are three parts of the word. You remember when somebody put, put their hand on you and like you'd fall out? Well, how many of you have never fallen out before? Some of y'all fight like, I'm not falling. It's not going to happen. But there's three different parts of the blessing. And the three parts are the promise. Write these down. The promise, the opportunity, and the outcome. At church, we do a really good job of praising the promise and the outcome. We'll believe God for the promise. God, you said in your word, X, Y, and Z. You said my marriage would make it through. God, you said I was going to lose the 25 pounds. God, you said I was going to come out of sugar diabetes. Then what we do is we skip the opportunity and we praise the outcome. We praise God, I already got it. I already have it. I believe it. I'm manifesting. But how many of you guys know that manifestation is not magic? What you've done for the past 21 days has set yourself up to have to work. God is always working and stuff is already done. But how many of you guys know that the kingdom is not magic? You want a better life? Got to put in the work. You want a better marriage? Put in the work. You want better finances? You actually got to know how much you're spending versus how much you're bringing in versus how much you're investing in your net worth. If I were to ask around the room, how many of you know your net worth? If you didn't raise your hand, then it's impossible for God to manifest wealth in your life. So look at your neighbor and say, we're going to celebrate the opportunity. But there's this thing called a myth. Do you guys know what myths are? Can you name some of them? Like, like uh, well, we call them Chewbacca, but Bigfoot, right? There's the Loch Ness Monster. There are things like uh, the, the Easter Bunny. I'm sorry if I just destroyed your kid's Easter because we don't believe in a rabbit. We believe in a god that died on a cross, right? But a myth is something that is widely held but is a false belief or idea. It's something that people can say often, but it's not the truth. You ever heard that before? 
those sayings that just roll off of people's tongues, but it's not the truth. Well, today what we're going to talk about, and it's my title today, is the myth of opportunity. Because the way that we've been looking at opportunity, it's been a little bit wrong. Can somebody say amen? So here we go. Let's look at the word opportunity. Opportunity defined is a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. It's also a chance to develop a characteristic asked for. My question is, what if the opportunity you were looking for was actually a space to get your hands dirty? Whenever you ask God for peace, does he give you peace? No, he gives you a space to develop what you have asked for. Whenever you ask God for a better marriage, does he just automatically make you roll over, look at your wife and be like, man, I love her. No, indeed. You are given a space and an opportunity to make it better. So that's why in the past 21 days, what you've been praying for, if you're thinking that God's just going to snap his fingers and make it happen, we got we to gotta fix that. Because we are just like God. And anything that God wanted to change, he did two things. He spoke to it, then he put his hands on it. So for the past 21 days, we've been doing a really good job of talking. But now for the rest of your life, I don't know about you. I just need 10 people that know, like, I'm about to put my hands on some stuff. Like, you're about to look at my life, and it's actually going to be different. Like, you're going to see me next year, and the resolutions and the goals that I had this year, I'm actually going to crush them this year. Like, when you look at my wife, you're going to be like, who the heck is that? And I'm going to say, I don't know, because that's not who I married. God is doing a new thing in her. So what we have to understand is that manifestation is only as good as your hands. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's only as good as your hands. Look at your hands. Say, it's only as good as you. So one of the amazing places that we can look at opportunity is the story of Gideon. Have you guys ever heard that story before? Gideon is a man that lives in Israel. And when we jump into this story, um, which is in Judges, uh, Gideon and, and the Israelites have been disobeying God. Now, you guys already know the entire cycle. They get right. They disobey God. They go into captivity. God gives them a savior. He rescues them. They're sorry. And then what happens? They mess up again, they get right, God gives them a savior, delivers them from from captivity, then they get right with God, and then what? And it becomes this perpetual cycle. And so many times I think it's easier for us to read the, the book of the Bible and be like, man, those Israelites really had it tough. But how many of you know that each and every one of us in January are going through the same thing? Can we talk? This is the last one in the vision month, so I'm just trying to make sure that we can get all the crud out of our lives, right? Wouldn't it be great if this year, what you said you were going to do that last year was the last time you said it? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if you stopped talking about the degree and actually, okay. Uh, wouldn't it be great that instead of just talking about marrying her and living with her, that you actually did everything according to the word of God and put her out and then bought a house and then put her in and then got married to her and had kids and then you had a testimony? But it's going to have to take some work. And the church has been too afraid of work, but today I'm going to give you a hammer and a tool, and we're going to send you back into your life so that you can build the life that God desires for you and the life that you want. Because here's the thing. The life that God has for you and the life that you want, guess what? They're the same thing. They're the same thing. So here we go. Point number one. Opportunity doesn't give you what you want. It provides you a space to make it happen. You are not going to, we have been watching my 600 pound life for 21 days straight. I gave up Xbox. I gave up social media. But one thing that I couldn't give up was television because I needed to like have some motivation. Because listen, I eat 5,000 calories on Sunday easy. I eat right throughout the week so that I can just like recklessly eat like five cheeseburgers. I love it. I'm like addicted. It's terrible. But sometimes some people's addictions literally take over their lives. 
And sometimes the addiction of church people is complaining. Girl, if you could help me with my back. Sis. Really? Oh, my husband, you married him. Therefore, you're clink, clink, locked down, so make it work. Girl, my finances, weren't you just in Jamaica last week? And don't you owe me $5? I love that on Facebook. People that owe me 100 bucks, and then you're like, oh, so that's what we're doing now. We're getting gas for everybody's cars. Okay, right? But what if we were to change our perspective to look at opportunity as a shut door? What if we started to look at opportunity as somebody saying no? What if when somebody slammed a door in our face, said no, rejected us, and was disrespected, instead of going home and sulking and thinking that what God said isn't true anymore, we could say, like, oh, God told me this was going to happen. Wow, this was going to happen. God told me that when I went for the job, he said I was going to have the job offer. Even though the door was slammed in my face, it didn't change the opportunity. Because if all we're looking for, I feel the glory of God on this thing. If all I was looking for is happy days and sunshine, then the Bible isn't true. Because every person that God used, they had an opportunity, but it was in hell, damnation, in a lion's den, in front of a giant, in front of somebody that wanted to kill them, in front of poison, in front of somebody that didn't have any food, in front of somebody that didn't have any meal, in front of somebody that didn't have any oil. So your lack is actually proof of an opportunity in your life. The only difference of why we hate other people that are out here balling is because they looked at their nothing and made it into something. That's the only difference. The only difference between you and the person that you can't stand or you and the person that you follow on Instagram to show that you love them, but you, you know, you kind of hating a little bit. It's okay. We all do it. It's all right. I don't like the rock. He's too big. It's okay. Like nobody needs to be that big dog. You've won. Why? But there's a thin line between manipulation and persuasion. And the Christian church has been manipulating ourselves out of the promise of God for too long. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm taking every opportunity. I'm going to pray right now. Father God, in this moment, it is now illegal for you, any person in this room and watching online to walk away from an opportunity. The next door that the door shuts, I pray through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that it's blown off the hinges. In Jesus' name, somebody scream amen. Far too many Christians experience the revelation of an opportunity after it has passed. God gave you a word last year, and then we wake up and we're like, oh, God, no, I'm going to figure it out. So many different people have this thing of like, oh, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I don't, anybody listen to the Winans? That's all we used to listen to growing up. They had this song called Tomorrow. How many of you guys know that there were people last year that said they were going to give their heart to Christ that didn't get the opportunity last year? They missed the opportunity. They missed this open door. They missed this segment where nothing else was acting in on it. And what are you going to do? How many of you guys have a friend that talks about the woulda, coulda, shoulda? Bro, if it was me, I woulda. Man, if it was me, I woulda. This, that, and the other. But I promise you, if you gave them that situation, they've been preparing what they're going to say rather than preparing what they're going to do in the moment. But look at your neighbor and say, I will be prepared. I will be prepared. So opportunity is framed by your ability to actually see it. Opportunity is framed. Opportunities are everywhere. The only difference in between people that are killing it and people that are not are that they see them. And they see them in slow motion. They're doing it while they're at scooters. They're doing it while you think that they're not paying attention. They're doing it while you think that they're in turmoil. They're doing it while you think that everything is not working out in their head. They're either speaking in tongues or they're talking to God. Hey, remember what you said? If I'm broke, that means you're not God. So I know that you're God, which means that me being broke is not right. That means that if I'm dealing with schizophrenia because mental disease comes from hell, 
It comes from hell. Being schizophrenic, having anxiety, having depression. It's not yours. That's why I hate television. My depression. No, indeed. It's the devil. If you can faithfully take a pill, you can faithfully fall on your knees and say, mind, you got to do. You got to do what I told you to do. Look at your neighbor. Say it takes work. Opportunities come in three different ways. Write these down because this is what we're going to be running up into after tomorrow. This is what we're going to be running up into. This is what we're going to be running up into. This is what we're going to be running up into. So if you're looking for somebody to give it to you easy, you're in the wrong space. Opportunity looks like hard seasons. Opportunity looks like impossible feats. Opportunity looks like seemingly no progress. Opportunity looks like God hates you. I don't have this joy in the sky, pie in the sky relationship with God. Nine times out of ten in my life. Look at your neighbor say in his life. I feel like God trying to kill me. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. What? Huh? God gives me stuff that's so big, if I shared it with you, you would think that I was narcissistic. Anybody else in the building, you can't even tell your family what they told you. Because if I told y'all, y'all already hate me because I'm out here killing it. But if I told you what God really wants for me, if I told you what he really wants for me, you upset with this two-bedroom. But if I told you where he really wants me to live, I want to go on vacation twice a year for six months. That's like, they missed it. Like, two, twice a year, six months. I want to tithe off of 10, I want to live off of 10% and give 90. Oh, so you think you're supposed to be wealthy? That's what, he's, that's what he said. And if there are still people that are broke, then there is an opportunity for wealth. Every opportunity that presents itself, there is an opposing force that manifests at the same time. The minute you ask for peace, turmoil comes. The minute you ask for finance, Stuff starts to break down, and it's not because God is trying to break you. He's trying to see, do you still trust me with the 10%? Because it's really easy to trust me with 10% when you're living off of 60 of it. Oh, what? Easy. Bread all day. But will you trust me with 10% when all you got is $1,000 to your name? And your bills exceed the 1000 Are you going to be just as hopeful in manifestation like you were on January 10th? All right, now that it's getting tough, are you going to run away because God's trying to kill you? Or are you going to fix your mind and say, oh, if God's asking for all of it, that means that he needs me to be vacant for what he's about to give me. So look at this. Manif I'm, I'm sorry, opportunity looks like this. It's a distraction to miss it. God gives you a word, distraction will come to start to keep you. Some of you have literally put the plate down in the last 21 days, and it was a distraction. Think about all the things you missed because you ate. Think about all the things that you missed in your body because you were at the office, the, the doctor's office. Dad, you think about how many days you've missed with your kids and now you can't get away from them. Do you remember the last time you were annoyed by them? No, because you haven't been home. You don't have an excuse as a, as, as a, as a, as a husband to say, like, I can't afford date night. Cook some spaghetti at the house. So spaghetti. I said it on purpose wrong. Okay, chill out. The question is, are you going to look at the hard season as a hard season as an opportunity? When your car breaks down, do you begin to praise God on the street? Like, ooh, wait a minute. Because I remember asking for a new car. So if, if it's breaking down, then the BMW black on black that's underneath $20,000 all-wheel drive that gets me through the snow after those two crazy, ridiculous snow days has to be on the way. Me and my wife are arguing. Woo! Wait a minute. 
What did I ask for? I asked for God to bring peace amongst us. So that means that if we can have peace in this turmoil, oh, we're straight. Opportunity looks like no will to move forward. Opportunity looks like blindness to not see it coming. Opportunity looks like not being able to recognize it when it has been presented. But I honestly believe that you are going to manifest new eyes today, that every opportunity, you're going to see them before they even occur. You're going to see it before it occurs. Here we go. You ready? Point number two. Point number two is that the plan of God has for you, what the plan, the plan God has for you has no sense of humor. Let's jump into Judges 6.11. Remember, we're talking about Gideon, and Gideon is super sad and super weak, and he's kind of like most Christians that really love to self-loathe and have people pity over them but don't want to change their life. All right. Judges 6, we're in the New Living uh, Translation. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah. Not not Oprah, but Oprah. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of uh, Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress. He was doing the right thing in the wrong place. You do not thresh wheat in a wine press. You press wheat in a wheat press. You press wine, we press grapes in a wine press. The question of why he was doing this is because he was afraid to actually believe what God told him. So he hid the promise of God in a place that he wouldn't be found. We've been practicing in shelter for too long. I think it's time for us to start making mistakes out and open so that God can redeem us to do better. Somebody scream, come out. You have been married for 20 years. You've never let anybody see your marriage. Let somebody see it broken so that us, the young people, can actually learn. I'm done with y'all. Like, you, like you, you don't have millions of dollars and three businesses in your family for no reason. Hire your children. Hire the person on the opposite side of the room. You're willing to take a chance on the person that's down the street, but you won't take it on a person that's another kingdom citizen. We can't afford, we, we can't afford this vacation. Yes, you can. You're just scared. Get the passport. Opportunity looks like a lot of things, but one thing about opportunity is that once you cross that threshold, it's impossible to turn back. So he's, pre- he's, 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 he's threshing wheat in the wine press. Verse 12, listen to this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said what? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, a lot of times, whenever we're asking God for a word, he never calls you who you are. He calls you who you are. <laughs> he doesn't call you who you are. You feel me? He doesn't call you who you are. He calls you who you are. So when the Lord comes through the angel and says, Gideon, you're a mighty hero, the rest of the book is irrelevant. Because if he was operating in the principles of God, the minute that God called him mighty, he would have gone and done everything that he needed to do by himself. But the reason why we have to keep going through this book is because Gideon never believed the word of God for himself. So this is the point. You cannot ask God to manifest something in your life that you do not truly believe will happen. You cannot ask God for a better marriage if you do not believe that it's worth it. You can't ask God for better grades if you're not willing to study. The word of God says that he will bring back everything to your recollection, meaning that sir, ma'am, high schooler, middle schooler, college student, he's not going to stuff stuff in your head that has never been there. God doesn't give you revelation for tests. You signed up for the class. Okay, let me, let me. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. And they. Okay. Uh, uh, verse 13. It says, Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Remember, all these people 
in Israel, Israel for the last seven years have been in like oppression. God allowed these people called the Midianites that every time that the Israelites would go and settle, the Midianites would just come through and move them out. And then they'd be like, they would give it up. They never fought them. They would just say, you can have it. Then they go somewhere else. Midianite would come. All right, y'all can have it. They would, they, would, they would sow wheat. The wheat would come up. Midianites would come. They wouldn't even fight for what was there. But I believe in this season, even if I got to die, what I planted in the ground, if you want this wheat, you're going to have to kill me to get it. You ain't going to push me over no more. I think that there are some fathers in the room, like, I don't know where my children are, but you're going to have to kill me before you let my kids get got. Verse 14, it says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. God is so disrespectful. He doesn't even respond to ignorance. That's why when God gives you a word, when you laugh and say, oh, I could never have it, your opportunity is still looking at you waiting to move. When somebody looks at your marriage and says it'll never work, if you laugh, your marriage still looks at you like, oh, so, oh, you believe them. When somebody says, like, you're always going to be crazy. That you're always going to have this mental thing going on. If you laugh and you start to kid and you start to be narcissistic or you start to be sarcastic, the Holy Spirit does not have a sense of humor. So the minute that you joke and say, man, I'll never have it, the Holy Spirit says, all right, check. We're never going to make it. Okay, check. How can we believe that what we say with our mouths will always work when it's only good stuff? You want to know why some of our boys, especially our black boys, I got to go there. Why it's so tough to raise them? Because we call them what they are. You're going to be such a little heartbreaker. What? Why? You're going to be just like your daddy. Well, daddy needs to be in here too, but why would you? Oh, oh, she ain't going to know how to quit. Why would you say that? Because your tongue has life in it. It never said if it was good or bad. You're the one that puts the good or the evil on it. Verse 15, but Lord Gideon replied, listen to this. How can I rescue Israel? Underline this next part. What does it say? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. Underneath Manasseh, underneath Manasseh is the tribe of Benjamin. There's 12 tribes, right? We'll talk about that later on. The tribe of Benjamin, they just be cutting people's heads off. The tribe of Benjamin, they were the tribe that if you wanted to get something killed, they were assassins, right? Those are those people in church that used to be gangbangers, and they give their heart to Christ, but they still mess with the streets. I love it. Like, keep that strap on you at all times. You feel me? Like, I'm ready to praise God, but I'm ready to, I wish somebody would at any point in time. Manasseh is the tribe of what people think were weak because they handled the finances. So Gideon doesn't even understand. He's the most wealthy tribe out of all 12. I'm the weakest of them all. And the, and, the, and, and the Lord is like, bro, you got all the bread. Some of you think that you're so weak, but you actually have everything, all the provision that you need to move on. But I digress. We'll get to that later. It says, my clan is the what? Weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And listen to this. And I am the least in my entire family. So it's not bad enough that we're Israelites and we just getting ganged up on and they're taking everything. It's not even bad that I'm of the lowest tribe out of all of them. I'm the weakest out of all of them. Now, many times when I used to read this, 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 this word, I used to be like, man, that's, that's a tough day. It would suck to be Gideon. But then I started to look at his life and mine. I remember when I went to school and they told me, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to make it in. You're going to have to take two semesters of summer school in order to get in. 
I remember when they told me, like, you're always going to live with asthma. You're never going to be able to walk up a flight of stairs. You're never going to lose the weight. I remember when they told me, like, you're going to die because you're not good. Like, you don't have it in you to make it on this football team. So you're probably going to gain all the weight, and you're going to, like, it's all going to mess up. But the cool thing about it is that I saw it as an opportunity to prove them wrong. What if Gideon would have seen it as, you know what? How can I prove Israel wrong and show them that the God that we serve actually works? So here we go. God doesn't make mistakes. Say it with me. God doesn't make mistakes. You want to know how? Verse 16. It says, the Lord said to him, what? Say it loud. I will be with who? You. I'll be with them. I'll be with the other people. When God gives you a word, stop trying to push it off to other people that you think are more qualified. You're going to do it. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea for them. No, you. That's like when your kids try to give up their, their, their responsibilities at the house. Even if, you're, if, you're, if, if your sister can do better dishes, I told you to do it. It was your responsibility. Somebody say it's your responsibility. Online, type it out. Say it's my responsibility. Then the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will what? Destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Opportunity reveals itself through God's voice. I want you to write that down. Because now what we're going to start doing is describing all the opportunities so that by the end of the day, you can look at your life and be like, wow, that was an opportunity. And not feel bad about it, but know that every opportunity that stands with God always stands. We just got to catch on. You ready? Point number two. Um, point number three is the next level of growth in your life will require some level of sacrifice. It is impossible to be a mature Christian in your life and not live like Christ. Everybody wants to be faithful like Christ, wants to be peaceful like Christ. Everybody wants to be loving like Christ. Everybody wants to be hopeful like Christ. But nobody ever wants to bleed like he did. Jesus might say, I want to be just like him. Are you ready to die for what he showed you? Not a physical death, but a spiritual death to yourself to follow what he said. Remember what I said earlier about my relationship with God, like he's trying to kill me? I think he actually is. I think everything that God gives me, he's trying to see, is it your will or mine? Are you going to use your strength or mine? The reason why the word says he'll never put more on you than you can bear is because he's trying to break your level of what you think you can bear. So if you're carrying too much, that means that you're not following the directions of God. So if it starts to get too hard, instead of seeing that God is being upset, I'm teaching this morning. Instead of getting upset that it's too heavy, maybe you can be like, okay, maybe my hands are on a little bit too much. Maybe my faith isn't up. Maybe because it's not working out, maybe because it's not working out with the girl that you're trying to marry means that you're doing too much, bro. You are not swaggy enough to get her. It's the God on the inside of you that attracts. You can't, it doesn't matter if you have a six-pack or $6 million. The money in your body will fade away. But the question is, the God on the inside of you, does it sustain the love relationship? Look at your neighbor and say, sacrifice. Some of y'all have resolutions to lose 25 pounds. That's great. Do you have a membership? Do you have a walking buddy? Well, it snowed outside. Then you don't want it. You don't want it. You don't want it. But it snowed. Well, that's just inconsiderate. It's not inconsiderate because I did it in every facet of my life. The only reason why I was frustrated with people and thinking that they were getting on my case is because they were willing to do the things that I never was. But I believe it's time for us to stop talking a big game and actually doing it. And then people being like, man, you look good. I've been in this season for a year. You're late. It seems like you and your wife stopped fighting, bro. We've been, like, we just got back from Jamaica. You feel me? Like, we're good. The next level of growth will require the same level of somebody scream sacrifice. 
God calls Gideon to tear down the sacrifice, the idols, the people were worshiping. Israel, the minute that they start to think that God doesn't exist, they go back to the thing that they used to idolize. Over the last 21 days, you have been closer to God than some of you have ever been in your life. But if you don't hear from God on February 1st, are you going to go back to the dinner plate? We're open church, right? That means that we're open, productive, we're effective, and we're neutral. That's how we communicate. So can I just be honest? Are you going to go back to the computer screen when your wife doesn't want, is that, is that what we're going to do? When the, when the purpose that God gave you for the business, when it's not showing up any money, when you start to lose sales and your product doesn't work, are you going to give up? The question is, are you going to see it as a failure and a deficit? Or are you going to see it as an opportunity for God to still come through? Because nine times out of ten, we quit on God before he's ready to manifest. So Judges 6.28. Judges 6.28. It says, early the next morning, as the people of town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down. Gideon did it in the nighttime because he was scared. So... He, didn't, he believed God, but not enough to do what he said. God said, go take it down. He said, well, I'm going to wait. Sorry. Someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. God told Gideon, take that one down, and I want you to sacrifice a bull. Because everything that you want in your life is going to, be ha- it's going to have to be bought with the price of blood. That's the, that's the only thing that works. Pastor Martin is probably going to talk about that tonight when we do our communion at 6 o'clock. That now you are a totally new person because the person who you used to, do, used to be died in that last 21 days. Amen. Therefore, you have been reborn and you are now a new creature. If you start to bring up your old habits, that's literally like going to the grave and digging up a dead body, cutting out its skin and putting it on like a coat. That's why bad habits stink. They'll get it when, they, when they're going home. The people said to each other, who did this? They figure out that it's Gideon. Verse 30. It says, bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Lowercase h which means that it's an illegitimate God, which means that whatever you're addicted to is illegitimate. Food doesn't have a capital F. It's not a God. We make it a God. Therefore, our bodies go through the issue. When you begin to complain, when you begin to, like, like the, the biggest mental disability of everybody has is complaining. We all have it. But when you begin to complain, you can literally begin to manifest sickness in your body. You ever known somebody that all they talk about are the things that don't work and they're always sick? Their car always breaks down. They always get fired. They're like every, your water heater out of get dog, fam. What the heck? You live in a tent. You don't even have a water heater. Like what's going on? It becomes this thing where whatever you make your God has to provide for you. And the only thing that food can provide for you is more calories. The only thing that anger can provide for you is more frustration. The only thing that losing can provide for you is more defeat. The only thing that arguing in your marriage can actually give you is more frustration. So look at your neighbor and say, worship a different God. But Joash shouted to the mob. He says, will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a God, understand this. 
If my addiction is a God, truly, let it defend itself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. You want to know the reason why we shouldn't be running away from anxiety? Because anxiety has never killed anyone. We accept it into our lives and we allow it to do what it's supposed to do. If you're a kingdom citizen, that means that anything in your life that's coming to cause death and destruction, we have to allow it because we're sons and daughters of the king. So if you're supposed to, you cannot, we cannot say as people, we cannot say as people that I want to live a life of freedom and be okay dragging around the chains. Because then we look crazy. The only way that we are able to actually make a difference in the world is when we tell them that we're free because of Jesus, they can't even find the chains. Does that make sense? So here we go. Verse 32, it says, from then on, Gideon was called what? Jerub Baal, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. So there are a couple of things that we got to sacrifice. If you're going to be looking for God's opportunity, and if you're going to want to manifest, look at your neighbor and say, there's going to be some stuff in your life that has to die. Like you can't play with this. If you want what God wants for you, it has, to, it has to be like you have to cut its head off and don't even do it a pleasure of burying it. Let it sit there dead and rot so that when you come back to it, you don't want to pick it up again. The first thing that's going to have to be sacrificed is your characteristic traits. The things that make you you. Girl, I'm just like this. No, you're evil. Girl, I just tell it how it is. No, you're just rude. You're rude. Girl, I'll just be cutting friends off. No, sweetheart, you're lonely. Hey, Amen. You know, I'll just knock them down as they come. No, sir, you're broken. You're, you're broken. You're, you're broken. Man, I'll never have wealth. You've just never seen it before. So what are some of those characteristic traits? Pride. Narcissism. Hesitation. Self-loathing. If every time you do something good, you're looking for somebody to say, hey, great job, you've missed the mark. Hey, did you see me? What are you doing it for? For them to see you or for the glory of God to be manifested in you being self-confident in yourself? Are you doing things for people buying the birthday gift so that they can say that you bought them the gift or is it really done in love? Because if you really love your wife and if she really loves you, bro, she can tell if you cap it. Because she'll look at you like this. Mm, seems a little bit different. The food that you make could be fire. The ring could be huge. But if it's not from the right heart posture, it means nothing. The second thing that must be sacrificed is your emotions. After today, it is illegal for you to feel fear. It's illegal for you to feel insecure. It's illegal for you to feel frustrated, to feel depressed. I'm not saying that you're not going to feel it, but if you stay in that place, you're wrong. That's why as, as Christian people, we need to learn not just how to pray, because prayer is communicating with God, but we need to learn self-talk. And I'm not talking about those silly I am statements. I'm a king. I am motivated. No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, Joshua, I don't know who you thought you were going to be today, 
But what you're not going to do is be depressed today. What you're not going to do is miss the mark. I know that you're dealing with some stuff, but I really could care less about your body. You're going to make it. And if you don't want to make it, then just die so my spirit can go to another person that's ready to work. You are the son of the living God. And if you don't want to get up, I promise you, I'm going to call your best friend that you told last week that you wanted to pick you up. I'm going to call that person. If you want to go to the gym, call somebody that won't let you quit. If you want a better marriage, get in a relationship with a married couple that really cares less about your feelings and only cares about your marriage's health if you're trying to get out of this mental space of anxiety and depression why don't you actually become friends with the person that you're annoyed with who's happy all the time everything that you need is in the church it's all here i'm tired of being a part of a church where people are broken and what they need is an opportunity that's sitting across the other side of the room that family that you think is quirky their family loves each other ask them to lunch well, we can't go to lunch. It's COVID. Zoom them. Because I used to drive past opportunities all the way. About to push 300 pounds, and I passed by Genesis, Exodus Gym. I passed by my friend that told me to wake up with him at 6 o'clock in the morning. I passed by somebody that if I gave them $100, they would, they would give me all the food that I needed. And then I would get to the house and sulk and cry to my family and say, there's no opportunities. And somebody had to slap me in the face and said, you keep driving past them. There are some relationships you need to rekindle because they weren't a bad friend. They just got on your nerves. You told me last year you were going to write the book. Why is it over? Man, they just get on my nerves. No, they're doing what you asked them to do. Because some people in relationship, I'm not your friend. The only reason I'm in your life is to torment the heck out of you until you finish. That's my job. So don't ask Joshua to be your friend. PJ, I'm a pastor, but Joshua, I'm a tormentor. What are you doing? Hey, man, I'm thinking about doing a t-shirt business. But you, you didn't finish. You can't roll with me if you don't finish. If you don't finish, you got to kill it. Don't just like these hopes and dreams, man, I hope one day. No, you don't. Look at your neighbor. Say, be honest. You online, type it out. Say, be honest. You don't want to start a business. You don't want to be married. You don't, you don't want to be married because if you were married, you would have proposed. We want to do it the right way, but he's still living there. So you don't, you don't. You don't, you don't. I'm not being, am I being rude? I trust God, but you still got your hands on it. You don't trust him. Let's just be honest and just live our lives. You don't want to give up alcohol. That's, that's okay. I mean, it's not, but it's your life. You don't want to be a part of this family. You don't want freedom. That's why you can have somebody put their hands on you and pray a demon out of you that you've actually made comfy and tucked in the bed. Somebody say manifest. You love being in poverty. How many times have you asked the person to help you with your finances as I heard balling? And didn't do what they said. They sent you the they I'm gonna talk. They sent you the Excel spreadsheet, they sent you the app, they gave you the book for free. They told you meet me at scooters at six o'clock. That's too early. Then you don't want to be wealthy. You don't. I want to lose weight. I go to the gym at six o'clock in the morning. If you want to get this work, meet me there. 
You're just working out too hard. You don't want it. Because if you want it, you would realize that there is a sacrifice you have to pay. And it's not a, I am teaching this morning. I'm really teaching this morning. Because the sacrifice that you have to pay, all the people on the opposite side paid the same price. They didn't pay any more. They didn't pay any less. God doesn't look at people and say, you pay one, you pay 10, you pay 15. If you want to get this work, you got to put work in. Look at your neighbor and say sacrifice. The third thing, I'm sorry, I'm getting caught. Three things you got to sacrifice, characteristic traits, emotions. And the third is that you have to sacrifice your comfortability. You cannot be a part of this thing called the kingdom and be comfortable. You cannot have a good marriage and be comfortable. You cannot have money and be comfortable because broke money don't make none. The only reason that you see these marriages going from glory to glory is because they're taking risks. When they're fighting, they're actually fighting about real stuff. I want to argue with Vanessa about losing $10,000, not how she puts the toilet paper on the joint. Like, that's stupid. I only have so much energy in my life. If we're going to argue, which comes with marriage, I want to argue about some big stuff. You know what I'm talking about? The people that you love to listen to in music, they're never comfortable because they never listen to their old album. You'll never hear them sing the same way. You'll never hear them play a lick the same way because they realize you fell in love with the old me. When this new album comes out, I'm different. And I think that for each and every one of us, there's a new addition that's coming. If you were born after the 90s, that might have. So, okay, I'll go back. So what does comfortability look like? What does comfortability look like? Enabling friends. You ain't got to start today. Bro, if God wanted you to be single, he would only make one woman for you, which is a lie. Because whoever you marry, she's it. I got to believe that because it's the truth. She didn't become my wife until I made her my wife here. What else does comfortability look like? The goals that you set for yourself that you know that you can crush, but you never do. The standards that you live in your life that you're comfortable with, but do not yield you any benefit. Opportunity reveals itself when we don't even notice it. Look at your neighbor and say, you didn't even notice it. Point number four. This is good. Opportunity is okay with your disbelief. Look at your neighbor and say, your opportunity? Okay, don't cap. We already said this at the beginning of the service. Don't play me. Say, your opportunity doesn't care. Every single one of us, Pastor Martin talked about this in one of our unboxes. Every single one of us has a lion or a bear or a monster on our path. You got one. How many of y'all got one? You know what it is. You, don't get, you got a monster that's frothing at the mouth. It has blood all over its teeth. It's been haunting you since you were a baby. It's scary, right? But how many of you guys know that that bear and that monster and that lion has to be defeated? And how many of you guys know the only person... That can defeat the monster or the bear or the lion or the six-headed monster is, is me. <laughs> I can't expect for you to come and clean up my life because it's my monster. After today, every opportunity that you have to fix your life, if you don't take it, I pray that God manifests it with frustration. No, if God's going to give me this work, they're going to get this work too, Tina. Because God torments us for the things that you should be able to walk over. 
No music. They need to hear this. The stuff that you should be able to kill torments that man because it's frustrating. I'm teaching all this good word up here, but they're still bound. How? It should get to the point where we teach one series in the entire year and there's no need for this building. The fact that people still need to go to church means that it's not that the pastors are messing up. It means that the people are still sick. Why do we need hospitals? For doctors? No. We need hospitals for sick people. So what if we were to look at our lives and actually change? Like for real change. Not like it be something that's cute so that you can go to Christmas and stun on people and then you still messing up in January, but like your entire life becomes the manifestation of the glory of God. Somebody say sacrifice. sacrifice. Judges 6.33. Soon after the armies of Midian, Amalek and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan. What we have to understand is that after Gideon tore down all of the different um, idols and stuff and all those different things, Midian saw that as a, as a problem. You defied our God. We're just going to come in and take everything once harvest time comes, but we're just going to do it early. <laughs> so they crossed over the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Underline verse 34. It says, then what? The spirit of the Lord did what? Clothe Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men ended up coming to him, right? So verse 36, listen to this. Then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece, like a jacket, like don't, don't try to make it weird. What's a wool fleece? So you, no, it's just a jacket. On the threshing floor tonight, if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. God's already shown him three different times that it's going to work. Sometimes we can keep asking God if it's going to work, that he'll just pass over us. I've already told you it's going to work. Well, can you show me again? Why? I'm God. Listen to this. Then it says, then I will know that you are going to help me. Verse 38. And this is what? Just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung it out, whole bowlful of water. The next day, Gideon does the same thing, but he asks God, he says, you know what? Make the, make the ground wet and make the fleece dry. And God does it. Gideon ends up asking God for another sign of what he said he was already going to do. Why do you keep asking for a promise that God already gave you? God, remind me of the promise. No, that's why you write the vision down and make it plain. Just in case if God doesn't say anything, I know what he told me. Because how many of you guys have ever been in a season where it felt like God was on mute? Like, I really need to see the hands. Like, God, you ain't saying nothing. Where you at? I don't know if you're real anymore. And I wonder if God is kind of like you when you were a parent, when you look at your kids and say, what was the last thing I told you to do? You, you know what I'm talking about? Let me make it even more plain. You ready? As a child growing up, I remember my mom or my dad would be like, Joshua? And what would I do? Ma'am? 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 What do you do? You get up and go to the voice. Because the voice isn't always going to come to you. That's a revelation from heaven, Darren. I don't know if they're going to get that. Sometimes God never left you. Sometimes as you were standing with God, you just kept running your mouth and were walking aimlessly and stopped following. You're like, God, where you at? Then you get to this point, God, where are you at? And God's like, I never left. Because God is always speaking, but sometimes we're too far away to hear. 
So is he mute or are we too far away to hear? Look at your neighbor and say, opportunity, opportunity. reveals itself, reveals itself through, your lack of faith. through your lack of faith. You ever been in a moment where you had no faith? That's an opportunity. Every time that you've ever thought about giving up on God, what if you took it as, wait a minute, let me get back to my thinking, the right thinking, because that means that I'm actually in the right place. You ready? Point number five. After Gideon does the, uh, the, the fleece, and once it's dry, Gideon finally, somebody say finally. He finally trusts what God told him in the beginning. Remember what, remember what the angel of the Lord t- said to him in the beginning? He called him a mighty man. But it took Gideon, if we look at it in the Strongs, if we look at it in the Strongs, and the Strongs basically takes the word and it stretches it out. It took Gideon 15 years to figure out that he was mighty. Which means that he was already mighty. He just never knew it. There are some of you in the room that are watching online that think that you need some type of asset that you've already had. You think you need some type of spiritual gift that you already have. Point number five is opportunity is impossible without opposition. Be, this is why I say, Pastor, all the time, be careful what you pray for. Look at your neighbor with the bad breath, and if it's your husband, look the opposite way. Say, be careful what you pray for, because you're not going to get what you pray for. You're going to get an opportunity to make it work. God, I want peace. Are you sure? You sure? I want to I love my wife more. Are you positive? God, I want a deeper relationship. I want to hear from you. God, I want to change my life around physically. What? You sure? Because as soon as you ask for God to open up a door, opposition's on the opposite side of the door, and the only way you get through the door is fighting the opposition. There's some stuff in your life. There was some stuff in my life and in my life that I've passed up because the opposition was scarier than how good the promise was. What God told me was not as scary as the monster sitting on my path. But who can kill the monster? Only you. Judges 7, 2 through 8. The Lord said to Gideon, under, just under, understand this, right? Gideon... Gideon starts out, Gideon starts out with the gang of men with him. Remember, they're about to go fight the the Midianites. You know how many were the Midianites? It says in the word that the Midianites were a tribe of people that were two million strong. Their army, the the, 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 the army. We ain't talking about the people that do the crops. We ain't talking about the people that take care of the money. We ain't talking about the people that staying home. We take, we saying that they two million deep strong brothers like this. Big old, do it like this, like they big, strong, like, like diesel, like the rock. And I, if you're watching this, I pray that God would manifest salvation in your life. I'm sorry what I said earlier. I do love you. I do. Because <laughs> if he showed up at my door, the Lord said to Gideon, you have how many, so, how many warriors? Too many. He says, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, underline this, the Israelites will... Boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. 
The reason why it's impossible is so that you can never say that you did it by yourself. The reason why they call it a once in a lifetime chance is because when they take the shot, they don't just give them the glory. They look at the entire team. Therefore, tell the people whoever is timid or afraid, you may leave this mountain and go home. So how many left? 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. You want a great opportunity in your life? Tell the people in your life that are afraid of you to leave. How many arguments do you have with the people in your life that are actually for you? Really? The people that are for you, the people that love you, the people that are really pushing you towards purpose, you might argue with them, but it's about different things. You argue with them about things that are pushing you towards what God told you. But if you look at all the relationships in your life of people that are arguing with you and wasting your time and all that other stuff, you want to know one thing that they have in common? They might be a little bit timid or afraid to be in relationship with you. So in order for you not to manifest your full greatness, they have to begin to distract you with Xbox. I got to distract you with marijuana and alcohol and sleeping with women because you, bro, you're strong beyond measure. The reason why those cackling girlfriends around you, while none of them are married but trying to tell you how to have your relationship, is because of the fact that they realize that once you get married and realize that he's good for you, you're not going to need them anymore. Maybe the reason why all your friends, when you're with them, you have mental clouding and you're anxious and you're dealing with depression and anxiety is because they know that you're on the brink of actual mental breakthrough and they know that a free you gives us no fun. God, I'm teaching. I know I am. You being free leaves us in the dust. But what if you were to look at your contact list in your cell phone and actually just release the people? You should send a text message right now, those of you that are online. If you are afraid or timid of what God has told me to be, and you, it's not a piece of paper. I'm just trying to make it a thing. You know what I'm saying? If you're afraid of who I'm going to be or what my marriage is going to be or what my money is going to be, you have my full discretion and appreciation and my permission to delete my number. Because if I only have so much space in my phone for numbers that are going to help me. So I don't need you in that space because if I call you and you do anything but help me, you're dead weight. You can't help me. Because where I'm going in this opportunity is a battle. And I would much rather know that there are 10,000 men ready to fight than 22,000 that will question taking a bullet from me. Where I'm going, and I'm talking about Joshua. I'm not going to be pastor because people get, oh, my God, the pastor. I am Joshua. I will be wealthy. I am now, but I'm going to be. I'm going to walk into a beaten and battered women's shelter and renovate the entire complex with my check. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm, I don't care if you clap or not because it's right here on my manifest list. I'm going to have an opportunity to sit with the mayor and the governor and the president to bring real, true racial reconciliation. Racial reconciliation. Black and white. Yeah, I said it. A lot of people are afraid of it, but it's an issue. I'm your pastor when I'm up here, but I'm a black man in the street, and there are a lot of people that are suffering. Suffering that are Native Americans in Omaha that can't get a job, that can't get food, that can't get something to drink, and they were here before we got here. What I have to understand is that if you're not fighting with me, why are you here?
Why are you here? I'm gonna take a bullet for you. If you're not gonna take one for me, why are you here? Me and my family are trying to do some big things this year. When I mess up with my wife, I need you to cover me, not put it on Facebook. When I'm strung out and I have the needle in my arm and I'm smoking a joint and people say he was smoking, are you going to defend me or are you going to join in with them? Because every opportunity to throw somebody under the bus is another opportunity to take your coat off and throw it over them and cover them. Somebody say opportunity! Joshua's so bad, an angel came to him that was neither for him or against him, which is another conversation for another day. The angel showed up on him and he said, hey, this is a sword. He said, you for me? Okay, against me. My parents messed up and named me the right name. Because then the next verse says in Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous for the God of your fathers is with you. So they messed up because now I'm on a platform speaking to people that are broken who are going to be healed. Look at your neighbor and say, if you're not here to fight with me, just go home. And the second thing is that you're going to have to be okay when the people that you thought were going to stay in the battle actually run away with their tail in between their legs. I want a better marriage. Are you sure? I want to go deeper in my word. Because the deeper you go into the, this book, the less it makes sense. The more work you're going to have to put in to make it make sense. Somebody say teach. You can say standing because it's going to get good again. So just save yourself the energy. Because I know if you like me, I'm waiting for a sandwich. You feel me? Right, Vanessa? Hey, mommy. Here we go. 22,000 of them went home. That's why if you ask God for another opportunity in your work and you get fired, maybe that was what was supposed to happen. Maybe if you ask God for a wife and she steps out, your girlfriend or your fiance, maybe she wouldn't. Maybe when you ask God to give you the idea for the business but it keeps falling through, doesn't mean that it's not going to work. Maybe it's the wrong business. 22,000, 10,000 were still there. Verse four, but the Lord told Gideon, there are st still too many. There's, st there's, st there's still too many. God says, yeah, because looking through the people that you look at, you're going to see their faces and you're going to miss me. There are people that have been in your life since you were a baby that you've never given a chance to really show up to be your friend. They don't look right. They talk weird. They have a speech impediment. Yeah, but they like you. From now on, I'm not running after people that are running away from me as fast as I'm chasing them. You know, you feel me? Like, I'm just going to be like, you know what? Let me just go home to the people I ain't got a chase to get. You feel what I'm saying? You feel, you feel what I'm saying? Because I, I ain't never got to chase these folks. 
I was deep in my sin. Can somebody say deep, 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 deep in my sin? And they covered me. Stuff you will never know about. That's the type of people I need to go to battle with me. Because if you're dealing with pornography, you don't want to fight that thing by yourself. Do it with some men that got some battle wounds and some scars. Like, oh, that, we've dealt with that, but we'll stand in front of that thing with you. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm boring, y'all. I'm going to move on. Okay. Verse number four. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still how many? Too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, do what? Divide the men into? In one group, put all those who cup water in there and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all of those who kneel down and what? Which means that the people in your life are only going to be as good as they get life for themselves. We can't do life with other broken people. If you're broken in an area, you can't be doing life with another person that's broken. If you're broken and he's broken, if he's broken and she's broken, they're trying to lead each other to the Lord. It is not impossible, but it's a waste of both of y'all time. Y'all need to get healed. Because at the end of the day, like Pastor has said, one of you is going to be leading the other. And nine times out of ten, the person who doesn't know God has a stronger faith. Let me, let me, let me stay here, Tina. They missed it. Let, me, let me stay right here, Darren. Let, let me stay here. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. How many people left? Can you do that quick math? 9,700. 9,700, where we come from. Only 300 of the men from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. You want to know why they had to leave? Because with their faces in the water, they wouldn't have been aware to protect Gideon. The day that you are going into, you're going to have some people in your life that drink water like this. No, dog, you drink. We got you. Go ahead. Matter of fact, you drink. I got you. What's up? You're going to have some people that do for you what you've been doing for others your entire life. You've been the one advocating. You've been the one taking the arrows. You've been the one that's had like the feces on your face, the puke on your shoe while the other person is okay. You've been holding the door open while other people have been trampling your feet. And I honestly believe that as you're manifesting the opportunity, the door that you've been holding open is going to be held open for you by people that are really for you. Because you want to know how somebody's really for you? They only care if you win. They don't care if you remember them when you get on stage. Because a true friend T.T. Millie, a true friend, and she's my auntie, don't play with me. Your true friend is somebody when you win, they're clapping the loudest. They're not clapping loud to be seen. They're clapping loud to exalt the God that's on the inside of you that caused you to do what you didn't do. So the reason why he had to let those people go is because Gideon had people fighting with him that were going to be too worried about having a huge body count that they wouldn't have protected him. The wars that you fight are not just to slaughter people. The wars that you're fighting is to protect the asset. And look at your neighbor. Say, you're the asset. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're the asset. Say, you're the asset. Say, you're the asset. Okay, I got to go. I'm going to finish this up. Here we go. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. And all the others got down on their knees and drank from their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon what? With these 300 men. I might do a sermon series with men called 300. 
that might, that might, it might, but it's going to be like a Saturday morning, not from the pulpit, because we got to really, you know, my men that were with me a couple weeks ago, like, we really got to talk, you know what I'm saying? Because all you need is 300. That's all you need. There's two million of them. Oh, all we need is 300. We'll be all right. I ain't tripping. You feel me? With these 300 men, who will rescue? Gideon? The 300 men? So that means that what Gideon might have saw as an impossible feat was an opportunity for God. Y'all missed it. That's the whole title of the whole sermon. So, so listen, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you the victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors, and he sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. AWC, we have an opportunity. As your pastors, no, let me, let me say that correctly. Pastor Martin has been praying for this word called reconciliation for like 30 years. So you want to know what that looks like? That looks like an opportunity for our church to literally look like a bag of Skittles. But you want to know what the opportunity of a multicultural, multi-ethnic church is? You want to know what the, what you want to know what the opposition of is? Ignorance and racism. There's an opportunity for our church to deal and to help people that are addicted to heroin. And if that makes you scared, you might want to figure out what church you want to go to. That are addicted to marijuana, that are, that are narcissists, that are psychopaths, that are literally dealing with mental issues. But you want to know, that's an opportunity, but you want to know what the opposition is to that vision? People that are judgy. People that forget that their sins dunk too and they've been too far removed from it that they don't believe that salvation is for every person okay there's an opportunity for us to have blended families in our church where he messed up and she messed up and they got kids out of wedlock but they made it work and they reconciled and the families together and they might be struggling but they're doing it together you know what i'm saying big family small family single mom single dads coming all over the place but you want to know what the opposition to the opportunity is our church where people do not believe that salvation is for everyone the myth of opportunity is that it's going to be easy. But AWC, we got some work to do. There's a black man. There's a white woman. There's a Native American person. There's a Mexican person, a Sudanese person that needs to be represented in this building. Because AWC, please zoom in, is not a black church. It will not be a black church. It won't be a white church. It won't be a chicken noodle soup church. It's going to have to look like one of our favorite meals, which is called gumbo, because it has everything in it. We need the single mother working in media. We need her children in the children's ministry. We need the person that's addicted to heroin meeting people in the parking lot. That's how we grow. It's not a good sermon. It's not amazing worship. It's creating a place of real love, hope, dominion, and power you think the person that's struggling with their sexual orientation wants to be told all the different things or or do they just need somebody to say like hey bro I don't even care what's going on but let me let me let me show you a man named Jesus because you know that the cure to all those things is not heterosexuality it's actually relationship with God just like the cure to your addiction isn't freedom it's a relationship with Jesus AWC, we have an opportunity 
to become the city's church. And I say that. Whoa. Whoa. What the heck? I see myself saying this 10 years from now in an arena with broken people that are black, white, green, atheist, Buddhist, Muslim, but they all have decided to come to a place where the kingdom is actually manifested, where single moms don't have to be beaten up for their one-time mistake, and their children can be loved and they can be brought back together. You know, you know what I'm saying? The other is so important. That's our opportunity. So when people leave AWC, that's okay because we only need 300. That's okay because what God's going to help us build is going to reconcile every person, every person, even the ones that left. The people that cursed your family and left, don't worry about them. Just build it. Build it safe enough for them to come back home. But my son has been out here doing X, Y, and Z. Are you still his daddy? Well, yeah, there ain't no but. You're his dad. Make it comfortable for him to come home. But he's still drinking. We'll figure it out. Your wife didn't disown you when you did the things that you did. Well, we're married. Yeah, but that's your kid. AWC Nation Online, there's an opportunity for you. You may never step foot in this building. You may never step foot in this building. Can we go to war just for a second? My spirit is being pulled by three people online that are, you're literally looking through your anxiety and your depression at suicide right now. Like right now. I don't need y'all to play in this room. If you've ever dealt with hopelessness, if you have ever dealt with hopelessness, I need you to pray for real. I pray through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You, you, that's watching, you. That there's an opportunity for you to meet a man named Jesus, but to get your freedom. There's an opportunity for AWC to be the reason why sex trafficking in Omaha is done. There's an opportunity for AWC to stop this little pathetic fighting in between who church is bigger where we can just serve. There's an opportunity for AWC for us not to meet here on a Sunday morning, but we go to another church and give our tithes and offering there to help pay for their media, to help pay for their renovation. There's an opportunity at AWC for us to go to a hospital with some oil and go to the cancer bay and start like there's an opportunity AWC for us to get out of this building and actually be ambassadors for Christ on the outside. The question that I have for you is this. Are you ready to do the work? Do the mental work so when the person walks in smelling like Jack Daniels, you see them and not smell them. When he walks in, when she walks in, looking some type of way, talking some type of way, are you going to meet them with the love of God or are you going to take the opportunity to try to crucify them? Because think about it this way. This man named Jesus took an opportunity on you. You remember how dirty you were? Be honest. The real testimony that you don't tell people, not your cap testimony. I'm talking about your real testimony. You know what I'm saying? You said that you used to drink, but you used to be an alcoholic. Like, you, like your liver almost went to failure. The real one. Remember the opportunity that God took on you, that prayer that you prayed? God, if you save me from this one, I'll serve you with my life. Sometimes those people pray that prayer and they're walking in the doors. I don't want to be an opportunity for somebody to oppose God. 
How many of you are ready for the opportunities for our, for our church? Because I have them written. This is my manifest list. And I would rather die. And I'll say this online because I'm going to be that bold. They named me Joshua. They messed up. I'm strong and courageous. This is who I am. I'd rather die than to see another person addicted to something that they can beat go to hell. I'd rather die than have another family in this church that's broken and they're doing it in silence. I'd rather die than have somebody that's struggling with their sexual orientation and nobody cares about their soul. They just worry about where they're putting their, their body. I'd rather die than us be frustrated with somebody that's addicted to alcohol and that's trying to get out of a gang. We are in a, they're trying to get out. I'd rather die than to send that young man or that young woman back to the streets that's trying to kill them. I'd rather die than to have somebody that can walk through here on a stretcher and walk out of here with their own legs. I would rather die than have somebody that's in South Omaha that doesn't speak English not have a service that allows us to sing in their language and teach in their language. The opportunity is for us to become Omaha's church. All I need to know is that by a signifying part of you standing up, who's with me? Don't stand if you're capping because I need to know if you're fighting with us. Are you for us or against us? The opportunity is for us to take the city. My question is, when it starts to smell like Hennessy, when it starts to smell like Newports, when it starts to look like people wearing shorts that aren't church worthy, when they don't have a Sunday's best suit, are you going to have the opportunity to lead them in? Or are you going to oppose them because they look different, they sound different? The mayor's gonna to come to church here. The senator is going to come to church here. OPD officers are gonna to come to church here. They're gonna come here, not to protect it, but to learn about God so that they can be kingdom ambassadors while they're on duty. This is what I need you to do, AWC. This is how we're breaking our fast. This is it, I need every hand lifted. Those of you that are online too, if you call yourself a part of the AWC nation, let's start praying. Start praying for opportunities. God, I need an opportunity. There's somebody at the grocery store that you go to every day. You go to the same lane. You know what that person's name is. Have you talked to them about the love of Jesus Christ? There's a family member in your family that everybody else has given up on. And God is beginning to manifest the boldness in you to call your uncle out of addiction, to call your aunt out of self-loathing, to call your grandmother out of that place. Cancer's not gonna kill you, granny. You're only 70 years old. Get up! There's an opportunity for you as a married couple to go and see a married couple that's struggling and bring them into your basement and begin to begin to, to literally fortify them and to pour into them and to raise them up, not to expose them. Some of you are looking at debts and loans in school that you can't pay. Don't worry about the debts because if you can get your grades up, the school will pay. I pray boldness over you. Come on, begin to open up your mouth. 